Welcome to a special all-draft edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for listening to this podcast, this special sports show that is blessing your ears as I say these words. It's an all-draft edition. We're going to start with the 2017 NBA Draft, which is tonight. We're going to talk to a good friend of the program, Tom Weisenbach, about his Philadelphia 76ers trading up to the one spot to presumably take Markel Fultz, what the Celtics are doing trading down, and some other teams making trades as we discuss in a pretty detailed mock draft of the NBA lottery. We'll have a good chat with Tom. And then at the end of the show, 20 minutes on the NHL expansion draft with Joe Crisali. Just two hockey heads talking about something you don't often see in sports. We also recap a little bit of the NHL awards that took place in Vegas last night. The Vegas Golden Knights are a team. They have their roster. Every team in the league lost a player last night. We will break that down and more. It's the Money Mitch Effect Draft Edition. Here it goes. All right, I'm really excited for this discussion, Money Mitch Effect. We're going to talk NBA Draft, and I got my good friend Tom Weisenbach back again on the show. Tom, thanks for being here. No problem. There's a, there must be a reason that I'm here. <laughs> I just First thing I want to say is we're recording this on Tuesday night, and we'll probably post this show the day of the draft. So I just want to preface that with any trades that happen in the next 36 hours <laughs> after we record this, we did not know about. So we're going to be under the assumption of all the roster moves that have been made up until just now when Dwight Howard was traded. So that was the last move. If you're listening to this, please just bear with us. It's a crazy time. We just had to bear down and record this but Tom there's two reasons you're here one is that you kind of bridge the gap with college basketball and the NBA I know you're a fan of both and you you, you know you monitor the transition process college to pro but you're also a Philly guy so this is your wheelhouse this time of year it has been for the last five years yeah and, and oddly enough there is no Kentucky player that we have to, uh, I guess uh false that's Nerlens <laughs> Noel I've already forgotten about him uh, <laughs> so anyway yeah I I you know, have followed the the college game for the last year. See, see what the players are are up to overall. You know, those freshmen. It's tough to get a good feel for how they're going to translate to the NBA. But I'll tell you what, I'm trusting the process right now, Mitch. Okay, now I, <laughs> I'll get to the big picture discussion of that in a second. But I want to break down the move that happened. To recap, you had a lot of you had a couple chances at the lottery. Came in third. Boston won it the short version of that story and the trade went down over the weekend i think it friday but it got processed saturday or sunday that there was no pun intended <laughs> yeah hey yeah i get it that's good call me on it the celtics get the third pick and the lakers pick which we don't know where that's going to be there's a lot of protections on that we're not going to get into all of it but a first round pick that should be somewhat high next year or a pick in the following year's draft that should be pretty high for the number one overall pick from the Philadelphia side, that means they're targeting Markel Fultz. They want to play him as their point guard, their combo guard, to be their ball handler. Ben Simmons coming back, Embiid. Are you completely high on this move in terms of Fultz being the guy, being the superstar guy? I think that the pressure would be off of Markel Fultz because he would be going into a situation with two guys who have a lot of hype already around them with, with Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Uh, you, you know, you got a guy like Ben Simmons who I think could have been the face of the franchise had he played last right. year. Joel Embiid has obviously emerged as, you know, being, quote, the process as his, you know, self-appointed uh, nickname. 
I think the pressure's off Markel Fultz. I think he can go in and, and try and just be him. You know, you got guys that can pass. You got you got tall. Before this trade, I didn't do a whole lot of research on him. Hadn't seen a bunch of Washington games. I've seen Fultz's sports science. I've seen some of his highlights and his dribbling ability and his shooting ability actually surprised me as, as he could possibly work as a flex one two, mm-hmm. just a kind of a basketball player. Right. And they, I think they're going to run an awful lot with these young, this young guys. Well, I think in theory, you're right. But the question I have is getting on the court. If Ben Simmons, who hasn't played an Embiid, who has been injured a lot to say the least, if they're out there, yes, it could make things easier. And the pressure side, I think you're right in the sense that if you went went to Boston, that's a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals, was the top seed in the conference, and they're expecting him to fit in very the fast. The pressure would be off of yeah. him there, too, being that, I think. But it would have to be like, can he play with Isaiah Thomas? Yeah. What's the matter? Yeah. You know, the two Washington guards. It's I mean, almost like Washington East. You know, I, in I, that, I, in I, that I still, sense. I still think he would have been expected to do his fair share on a team that would have been, you know, or is hoping to contend. I just want to know that position, like trading from three to one, because we're assuming that Lonzo Ball is going to go to the Lakers at two, and Fultz was going to be the one pick regardless. So instead of getting a wing player like a Josh Jackson, like a Jason Tatum, do you think this is a better move for your team? Does this fit a bigger role? Do you think that played into the fact why the Sixers moved up? I think, yeah. I mean, they did it because they they felt that he was the best player in the draft, head and shoulders above Josh Jackson or even Malik Monk, who a lot of the... I don't think Jason Tatum was ever in the discussion for the Sixers. I think it was between... They had interest in Russ Smith, I know. Not Russ Smith, but uh, NC State kid, Dennis Uh, Smith. I always call him Russ Smith because I still... (laughs) I'll tell you what, a couple years ago, the Sixers (laughs) drafted Louisville's Russ Smith. I left my house to go to the bar. I get to the bar. The Sixers traded Russ Smith. Yeah. By the gotta, time I the five minute car ride. Yeah, that, that's a good lesson for this draft. You have really got to be careful when you celebrate somebody being on your team. You got to give it like five ten minutes or so because that pit could be traded. You got to listen to the report that uh, they could be traded. But you know, I, I think Fultz is a great player. I'm not sure I'm with you on the head and shoulders part or on Philadelphia. Oh, I'm saying they clearly, yeah, no, they clearly thought so to pull the trigger on the deal. I agree he's the best player in my opinion going into this draft but I, given how deep this draft is I think there was a lot of this is the guy we want but I think there is a case look you mentioned all these great players that these promising young players on Philadelphia not too many guys in their backcourt so if you talk about completing a team and, and in, on paper what looks the best I think it is clearly Markel Fultz in this situation. Yeah, I, I watched a lot of Kansas this year, and I was theorizing since the Sixers have five second-round picks that had they, at three, taken a guy like Josh Jackson, that it would have been the best move for them to take a Frank Mason in the second round, keep the Kansas guys together, <laughs> yeah. help him out with the uh, continuing of the growth and transition to the, the new game. A little more experience for, for Mason, and he would be a guard that would fill that need as you know a second-team option still on a team that would right. not really be competing for the playoffs. At this point, the expectations are that they should make the playoffs this okay. year, barring healthy players. I you know I said that last year, possibly on this podcast, but I was tooting, touting <laughs> it throughout yeah. the summer league no, until Simmons got hurt, and then once Simmons gets hurt, then there's no expectation. Well, and, and the process itself, I mean, it was started by Sam Hinkie, and but I, to give credit to the Colangelos now, it may have been a hostile takeover. It's they made this hinky. trade. They, I, I don't, think, you think, he, I don't think Hinky made this trade. I'm not getting a lot of intel that Hinky made this trade. But it's also a trade that the Coangels are more known for. 
in being aggressive at it with draft day trades and Hickey. But regardless of that, Tom, are you have you been, I guess, happy with this process? And, and a follow-up to that is, do you think it's over? Do you think this is where it ends? Because nobody wants to be in the lottery for a decade, and this seems like it's a great getting off point, getting off that lottery train stuff. Yeah, this is this is the end. It has uh, to be. The one thing that we were banking on in this, the trade is is so interesting. When the trade was leaking out, Woj Janowski, Woj Narowski, whatever you want to call him. Woj bombing just Woj everywhere. Woj bombing everywhere. And then everybody else was picking up on it. I was like, just wait and see what the end, the final parameters are. There's You're too much reasonable. leakage. A lot I'm, of people are. I'm old school yeah. with, it, with my sports news. I'm like, I want to just wait till Thursday. I don't even want to yeah. hear any news. But now that it, it, I heard the, the news that we were going to, the Sixers were going to go after Fultz. And I had to, to, to start Googling the rumor mill. The initial reports were that the Sixers were going to give up. They, you know, they were in a great spot moving forward. We thought the process was good. You know, you could go towards the playoffs having the rights to the Lakers pick, having in 2018, having rights to the Sacramento pick, both unprotected mm -hmm. the following year in 2019. And it didn't matter where your own pick team, was. Your own yeah. pick was because you had these two locked up at two presumably bad teams. And now they are seemingly not putting a lot of weight on the draft picks for the next couple of years yeah. because you have a good five of you three get, yeah. potential star cowboy players who can grow together and hopefully emerge into some type of warrior I mean, super it, team. It's, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's I what I, off the ledge? That's what I, yeah, that's when you lost me. Okay, that, that right there is the moment. No, um, it wasn't a lot to give up, just the Lakers pick, which could be – you know, it could be promising depending on what happens with the Lakers this year, what we're trying to get into. But basically, Initially, I thought it was both picks. That's, I think, the point I was trying to make. And that yeah. to, to move up two spots, I would have thought that would be entirely too well, much, and the Celtics would be asking an awful lot for that. To give up, essentially, two first-round picks to yeah. move up two spots, I understand the first-round uh -huh. pick is heavily weighted and coveted. But two spots is two spots. I, it, In a deep it, draft. It feels like a free agency signing, honestly, because you know – these guys are pretty much slotted where it's going to be false ball. Jackson, well, one depending yeah, on yeah. What, how, which teams I, like, who. I think it's a gamble that's going to define how the process is ultimately. And not because, I mean, I know Fultz has had knee injuries. I'm not you know, really worried about that as much. Even Simmons is injury. Now, and Beads is a different story. You just want to, you know, hopefully he's able to that play. Mop, that towel boy better mop up the floor. <laughs> yeah. You better not go to as many concerts next year. But, there's a, like you said, this is a deep draft, and I just think that they made their play. This is our guy. When if you would have stayed at three, that's not waving a white flag. You still get a bona fide potential, you know, future all star for many years to come, and you still keep those picks. So that's the gamble that they're taking is that they did move up and they were able to move up for a real reasonable price, but they could have the Sixers could have stayed at three, still gotten a great player, and still had all that ammunition going to forward. To your earlier question, uh, the the words out of out of Philadelphia, from what I've been reading anyway, is that nobody had been researching Fultz because he had been the foregone Celtics conclusion at number one. Now that the Sixers are in the number one possibility, Fultz, I think, was always the best fit with this team right now, according to mm -hmm. what the prospects are. You know, we would have settled with, and I don't think there would have been a mistake in drafting a guy like Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox in that spot. Even a Josh Jackson would have been fine. He, he honestly hasn't impressed me all that much when I watched Josh him in Kansas. Jackson. I know he was an elite leaper. Great, def great defender. But, yeah, the shot wasn't. Right. Yeah. No, I, it's, you know, you get to that point when you're, there's question marks. So I think Philly just said, look, this is maybe the guy we trust. Maybe the only guy we really trust. 
It's affordable. Let's go get it. And, and just to kind of put a bow on this for the Boston side, I don't mind the trade for them either. When you understand the logic of, and I, I equate this to quarterbacks getting drafted in the NFL. If you think there's a guy there, you go get it. But if you don't, then trade down. And it sounds like Boston said we don't, we wouldn't, we weren't sold on Fultz. We have another and a guy. Lot of conjecture in out mind. of the Celtics also with uh, trying to move Jackson for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, there could be another trade. There's a lot of. There's the are the Cavs going to be reigning the East for a while? The Isaiah Thomas contract looms. Thomas and Fultz together. There's a lot there, and it sounds like they were targeting a wing player, one of the two that we're going to address in a second, but they get a lottery pick, and they move down two spots. But I think it's more of they weren't 100% sold that Fultz completed their team. What's hysterical is the Lakers were competing for a trade offer, but they could not See, <laughs> provide know, the package ah, because that might the Lake, their screen. own pick was. But now that they settled on – yeah, just the as settled, they yeah. realize they're going to be two. Presumably, they will. They're settling, well, uh, not settling, but they they're going is, to take ball. Yeah, and now they trade D'Angelo. Russell. So this is a good point to bring this up. Still chatting NBA draft 2017 with Tom Weisenbach on the money Mitch effect. There's a lot of smoke screens this time of year. We're not sure what to believe when. I mean, when deals go through, obviously they were to be believed in hindsight. But I don't know if I believe that the Lakers were serious about trading to one. I guess the bigger question is what constitutes serious trade talks. Did they inquire, hey, what will it take to, you know, what will it take to move up? And they tell you, and they're like, okay, goodbye, have a nice day. Was it that serious? The Lakers seemed all along like they were going to draft Lonzo Ball. And the one question that they had, that people had, was, could he play with D'Angelo Russell? I know I had it. Defensively, could those two be on the same court on a good team? Because neither is known as an elite defender. Today they make a trade with the Nets, D'Angelo Russell, and the, the horrible Abatross contract of Timothy Mozgov. To the Brooklyn Nets. Million dollar bench warmer. Number 27 pick in Brook Lopez on a one-year $22 million deal. That answers the question. Lonzo Ball's coming. It's here. He's their point guard of the future. They make a good deal, in my, in my opinion, getting Lopez on an audition, $22 million, see how he fits in, and they rid themselves of the Mozgov contract. So I think this is, now that Philly's made their trade, the next surest thing. One and two are done. Like, it's over. We know who's going one and two. Yeah, it almost, I was telling somebody today that it seems like the suspense of Thursday night. It's almost like the draft is over, but well, that's it, only it basically for starts like the first what, round 5, for 15? a Sixers and Lakers fan is over, <laughs> yeah. aside from the, the 27, so, 28 in the back end. Yeah, it starts at 5.15. That's when you should turn on the TV because the real drama isn't going to go until Boston you know, goes up there. But Or what the Knicks do with, with their <laughs> well, uh, yeah. increasing drama. But we know where one and two are going to go, and Lonzo Ball – his family's shenanigans aside and all that, I think he's a great basketball player. He's got tremendous upside. And just from a basketball sense, I, I think D'Angelo Russell still has – he's 21 years old. He could still play. He still has a lot of time to go. But Ball needs to be running the show. We saw that at UCLA. And I think getting rid of D'Angelo and surrounding Ball with players, you know, Randall Clarkson's still there. Ingram could come into his own. And now the Lakers with picks 27-28, I think they're doing a pretty good job of uh, surrounding with that talent. Yeah, they've done a good job throughout their rebuild mm -hmm. of acquiring kind of a well-rounded roster. I know having the, the Philadelphia perspective, they were very big heavy during the process. So I've always admired their ability to create a young, well-rounded squad with guys like D'Angelo <laughs> but no but they there. trade him away and now uh, Brandon Ingram's the guy they're going to be but building around right now it's a Philly approach Ingram. too 
Like, I mean, Philly has done that to some extent, right? Like, bring in Michael Carter-Williams, trade Michael Carter-Williams. Like, and it's done I to help Michael the Carter-Williams team. Michael Carter-Williams was drafted oh, yeah. before they realized what they had, and they traded him at his highest point right yeah. after the rookie no, of the year move. I, I agree. I mean, similar. I don't think they're, D'Angelo yeah. was as... They're doing it for the better of their team. Sure. They're not just trading someone to trade someone. Both, I think, franchises with slightly different approaches are trying to you know improve their team at all costs. I think the Sixers traded Mark, Michael Carter-Williams to lose more games. I think the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell to hopefully win more games. Yeah, I mean, now the without their pick, they know this is it. They have to go. That was the last year that they could, that they could do that. In 27-28, those are valuable picks. We, we saw Golden State, I think it was last year, two years ago, pretty much pay for that pick. It was Patrick McCaw. He's a pretty solid NBA rotational player. So Certainly on that team. Yeah. I mean, I think there's value at their picks. And, you know, Capru, maybe another move coming. And, and just quickly on Brooklyn, I don't hate it for them either. It's strange to be complimenting a Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn front office move, but it is a new front office, not the one that gave all their picks to Boston for the uh, geriatric club. Spent all their money. <laughs> Spent all their money. But they need an expiring contract because Lopez was a goner. Russell, 21, the right coaching. And is Jeremy Lin still under contract with the Nets? He is, I believe. And is, you know what's funny, too? Is that too? a good mentor for D'Angelo well. to mature in New York? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm yeah, asking. And I don't know. I mean, Lin's, Lin can play off ball. He doesn't, you know, he could be the shooting guard on that team. I think it can work. But I yeah. also think, I saw a tweet today. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it's a bad, these two deals, the Philly deal and the, the Lakers-Brooklyn deal, are bad for the free agent point guard market that wants to get paid. Because you think about it, Brooklyn and Philly were two spots that we thought, they're going to need some point guards in free agency. And now they're locked up. They got Fultz and D'Angelo Russell, and they're not going to be spending money in the free agent point guard market. So, do you see these salary dumps? Uh, the you said the Hawks were going into tank mode. But, oh yeah. But I think they're aren't they still fairly relevant? Or well, did they go take a nose? No, no. We can year? we can chat about that trade now. That's I'm glad you brought that up because Atlanta trades Dwight Howard, who'll be playing on his third different team in three years, fourth and five, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's just collecting just, a paycheck at this point in his career almost. They trade him to Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, for the along with the number 31 overall pick for a haul that included uh, not it's Miles Plumley, not Mason, I think. It's it's Mason Plumley, not Miles. Not the Portland Plumley. Okay, it's not the blonde one. We're gonna have to or the Denver Plumley now. <laughs> it's Miles. I had it right the first time. Miles. It's the guy who went to Duke. Yeah, it's the Duke oh, Plumley. Oh, yeah, Marco Bellinelli. And the forty-first overall pick. So what Charlotte's getting is a late round. It was a late round first pick and the contract to Dwight Howard. Now, read into that what you may. What's more valuable at this point in, in the game? Is it the number thirty-one overall pick or is it thirty-one-year-old Dwight Howard? I don't know. Clifford's coached him before, but they could have just wanted the pick really bad and taken on the contract. Atlanta finished, I think, fifth in the Eastern Conference last year. Traded Cal Corver midseason. They're probably going to lose Paul Millsap too. So I think they're just trying to blow it up and start from scratch and get some cap relief. Whereas kind of what the Clippers are facing out here, Tom, if you sign Howard and Millsap because you have a need, well, that just ties up all your cap and you're just stuck in neutral for the next five to ten years. You become the perennial Eastern Conference eighth seed that is stuck in limbo for half a decade. And Dwight's just brutal now. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, he hasn't developed any more moves in the last five or six years. He's, he's a shell of himself defensively. He can be dominant on the offensive end when he wants to. They phased him out of the playoffs. The last two games, he barely played for Atlanta. When in, you get into you a know. series, you can game plan for yeah. him. If you have a big that's younger and, and 
develops more moves. I just I don't know what he's trying to, to get out of basketball right now. Like if he's just collecting a check, like you said, or if he's trying to still be serious. Because the sad truth of it is, or maybe the good truth, depending on where you fall on this, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Because his first six or seven years in the league were unprecedented. You so. forget about those Orlando teams of early Howard. I mean, it he was, was a top five player, top yeah. six player in the league. They were probably. in the finals against yeah. LeBron or Eastern yeah. Conference finals at the very least. I, I'd give them credit for that was the first basically big and four shooters lineup that we've seen. The 2009 Magic, when it was the same, they had Richard Lewis, probably the original stretch four. <laughs> Get him the ball, double team, pass it out. But, no, I think, you know, there's a lot of trades where we're going to see that on draft night too, salary dumps as well. So I'm still going to be watching. I'll tell you what, once, uh, once Thursday hits – we're gonna we're gonna see some things. I, honestly, I'm more excited about the second round. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I, I like the senior guards. I like a lot of the the, the players that don't get the love. You know what's interesting? We, the top of the draft or at the at the first. Round. I like the back no, end I, of the I first agree. round. I'm yeah. intrigued as to who, which players, which names go in the back of the first round, early second round. We might not have a senior draft. There probably will be in the first round, but it's close. Like there's a couple slotted in the late twenties. You got the Gonzaga guys. Uh, I guess Zach Collins is a freshman. Yeah. He's going to be coming out, but uh, Laurie Markinen also a freshman. It's, it's, uh, I'm just naming guys now at this point, yeah. trying to brainstorm. But uh, I well, think Frank Mason's one of the go- one of the yeah. guys who should get drafted in the second round. Well, we're going to spend the remaining time on this, the Money Mitch effect, talking NBA Draft 2017 and Tom Weisenbach. We're going to finish this up with a detailed look at the picks and see, at least in the lottery, who we think can go where, what chips will fall. Obviously, there's trades. But I want to start with Boston at three because there's two schools of thought here. I think Paul George, that ship has sailed. So the two schools of thought are, because they obviously love, they want to stack wing players, and it's not a bad strategy at all. Do you take one of the two wing players in the draft, Jackson or Tatum, or do you try to make a last-ditch effort and get Jimmy Butler? Bulls are open to trading him now. That 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 floodgates are open, and we could talk Porzingis, but I just don't see him on that team. So I think it's Butler, it's Tatum, or it's Jackson. And it could be Jackson slash Tatum with the the wait and see for the rest of the night type. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got him. Type now of thing because want? I know yeah. the NBA trades are very odd. With you can't really announce or nothing's official until the draft is over, and there's a lot of switching of the baseball. Well, Andrew Wiggins was on the Cavs for like a full month. Before he got <laughs> traded, so you gotta, it might be longer than one night. This is true. But I, I think I'm still not seeing the trade just yet. I, I, I don't see Jimmy Butler going anywhere you know, unless I, the Bulls get a hefty price yeah. for it. I, one I, of the horde of picks that the Celtics are now holding. I just, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to guarantee that one of these players is going to be as good as Jimmy Butler, who's probably top 15 in the league right now. I'd say it's less than 50%, but it's possible at that point, without a deal, without you know a king's ransom that I don't think the Celtics want or really need to pay with a couple more Brooklyn picks coming down the pipe and maybe a guy like Gordon Hayward in free agency, I, I'm going to go against I think Tatum's the guy here. I think they, whether or not you agree with it, I think that's the guy that they love. I think as a wing player that can, can create, there's some defensive issues with this game, but I think Brad Stevens is the perfect guy to address that. I think they're going to go Tatum at three. I, it's, I don't like I said with yeah. the between essentially like three and seven I think there's a lot of comparable players who I'm I mean, just kind of throwing yeah. seven out there it could, it be, could be eight or nine and, yeah yeah th- there's a lot of guys that I think could be serviceable for your team at any position at every position on the floor there's there's guys there's big guys who can shoot there's small guys who can dribble <laughs> there's you know 
a kind of a smorgasbord of, of guys there, and doesn't seem like anybody's fallen in love with right. Josh Jackson. And Tatum has been touted as one of the top offensive talents in in this draft. I'll say this: I think Jay, according to yeah. Jay Billis, <laughs> I think Jay, Jalen Brown is too similar to Jackson for that both to work. But I think Tatum and and Brown in theory could work. I think Brown plays a similar game to Jackson. They want to have some diversity there. But what I was going to say in addition to that was Phoenix, I know they've never won the draft lottery. They feel like they've gotten screwed every year. They've had so many chances and they never won one. This is actually a pretty good year to have four because they're going to get one of these two guys. I think that we haven't heard anything about a trade, Jackson or Tatum, whoever doesn't go ahead of them. Or maybe, you know, something crazy happens and they're both there. But it looks like Jackson... Some Kentucky def- options there, too. They're, uh, yeah. they're pretty much Kentucky of the Phoenix. Area. They are. And I know De'Aaron Fox is, is is in the running, too. But I just think with Booker as a combo guard, and they have enough point guards. I, I throw him by the wayside for now. Tatum might be a better fit for his offensive creating ability, but Jackson, I, I think, here. And, and either way, you can't go wrong. Josh Jackson, Devin Booker. That could be something to watch. Some athleticism there. Yeah, I, I would I would probably go Josh Jackson to the Celtics and Tatum to the to yeah. the Suns. Well, you know, could also, a little flip I mean, there. I think that's that's yeah. where my head is at. I don't know. It just it just seems to those are the players. Like Tatum has been off my radar entirely. I think the scoring ability is going to set him apart because Jackson we question the the jump shot. Now defensively, Jackson could be much more locked down than Tatum, but I, I think it's all need and I think if it was reversed. Phoenix might want Jackson all They might get the guy they want all along, but either one of these guys is good. And then, you know, we go down to five in this draft. Sacramento is probably going to get their man. If you said Phoenix, a nice year to have four. This is a damn good year to have five. And the Kings were the big winners of the lottery. <laughs> it I could think, not have gone any 10. better for them, right? Like, it literally, with the pick swaps and all that stuff, it, it was pretty much as good as advertised. You get five and ten. You get five. Now, I thought they could have been an outside you know, factor in the in the D'Angelo Russell sweepstakes because mm-hmm. LA wanted to move him, but they didn't want to part with those lottery picks, and for good reason. You could get your point guard that, of the future in De'Aaron Fox, who I love what his dad said today, where where uh, he just basically said his son's own ball twice. Like I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> like <laughs> that was, I thought funny. that was great. It was it was a direct quote, um, but. I think and that's, that's Fox's good. dad. Yeah, Fox's who's not dad. on Fox or no. ESPN every no, day. No, just it was a one sentence quote. When he probably <laughs> rose Fox's draft status for. I like him though. He's a gamer. He cares out there. We saw that all the way through, and I, and I like this kid a lot. And I think in Sacramento, if Buddy Heald can develop, it might be something there. And then ten, they're right and back in the game with their their big guys now too. You got Willie Cauley Stein, who was emerging at the end of last season, Kentucky Wildcat. Don't you know? <laughs> yeah, why not? There's a lot of them in the league, but but I think he emerged as a, as a pretty good player. There's another big man that they drafted that his name escapes me right now, some European name. They got rid of Der- of Cousins so they can now grow as a unit. You know, that was a, a aging veteran of Cousins. And and I think that at five, who are we, uh, who are we thinking they take at five? I know... I like Sacramento. Laurie Markkinen for them. Well, so Sacramento at five, Fox. So Orlando, it's, I think Fox is the guy there. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go point guard there. If you, but I like Markkinen at ten for them, or Zach if, Collins. If he's depending. there, yeah. Now we talked about the Knicks, and I think this is a good place to segue into. Do you think the Knicks are going to trade up? And it looks like no. They they threw out Porzingis. I just don't know what Phil Jackson is doing. 
I think at this stage in the game, he's just basically trying to either get fired or he just is trying to make it up as he goes. I can see a salary dump with Melo and moving him on, but Porzingis is the guy that you build the team around, and I just don't know that you move, especially if it's not going to be in the top three. You don't move Porzingis to get below three, in my opinion. And I don't know why a meeting with Laurie Markkinen is the <laughs> is oh, the reason is. why they're getting rid of Porzingis. I understand they're both tall players who can shoot. Porzingis can but actually they're defend not the a little bit. the same player. I don't think they Markkinen play the same can't, position. Markkinen can't defend. I mean, that's the big question mark and why he's well, he's a good prospect. He's the one with maybe most bust potential because you wonder what the defensive end looks like. But I'll, I'll see. Now, I do think Orlando at six, Tom holds the key to the second wave of this draft because we have a big five prospect list, but there's some pretty good talent in that next range. What direction do they go? They could use everything. <laughs> they could use everything. Who are you thinking? I think Isaac might actually be the guy here. But the dark horse for me and the guy that I think could be the best value pick in this draft is Dennis Smith. I like, yeah, like I'm I a said, fan. I mentioned him earlier yeah. in the podcast, and, and he uh, – was on a, a god awful North Carolina State team. They lost their coach throughout the during the season. He lit it up. <laughs> he he was the only right. uh, you know bright spot from that team. And he's NBA ready. I, it, Orlando could be a good landing spot for him. What are their point point guard options right now? And now I'm, <laughs> so we're gonna have to look at the Magic roster because with, they trade Ibaka. Now I know they have Alfred Payton, but it seems like they've gone. On from him, um, you know Isaac. That's a good pullout name, though. I, I don't know, but yeah. I mean Isaac. I'm not familiar with okay. on an intimate level, but well, Isaac's six ten, so the theory is you could play him just about everywhere. Now I don't know about his outside shooting, but he's a force inside, so he's gonna and, he, and a heck of an athlete. So if you look at this Magic roster, it's actually kind of comedy based on the moves they've made, having all the chances they had. Peyton Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, six Ev- draft pick, Evan Fournier, <laughs> Alfred Payton, six draft pick. <laughs> Bismarck Biombo, Jeff Green, DJ Augustine, Jody Meeks, Terrence Ross. I mean, this it seems like a mess. That's pretty much exactly like that's pretty much the team. So good luck building a that. Is it fair to say that if we were playing video games and you saw that roster, that'd be the worst one to start a fake Frank Dynasty with? Is how would you even be able to make trades with that roster? Yeah, I have no idea. How and you you're would, picking six. That would be the, the that would be the team in a video game where the guy who doesn't know how to play plays as the best team, and and you as the player who knows how to play plays well plays as the worst team. I just, they would yeah. choose that roster. No, I mean Smith there's some I aging veterans there. I know Vucevic can rebound. That's kind of his bread and butter. And Minnesota Tom's at seven, and I think this might be a situation where, and I want to bridge him with the Knicks at eight. Monk, Malik Monk on one of these two teams makes a lot more sense than him at six because I think for him to succeed, he's a scorer that can shoot, but he doesn't really do as much well as other prospects. He needs to be on a team that has some sort of offensive semblance. Even if it's a cluster like the Knicks are at times, there needs to be other good players on the floor. I don't think the Magic will get him the looks. But if he plays in Minnesota with Towns, Rubio, Wiggins, I mean, if Rubio's still there, but Wiggins and Towns for sure, that's pretty good. Yeah, Monk could be a very serviceable rookie backup point guard to Rubio if he stays there, but I would, would not be afraid. I mean, we've been thinking that the the Wolves are a year away. You know, we think they're going to yeah, be. Yeah, they should not have been that bad last yeah. year. Defensively, they really disappointed conundrum. me. Rubio, does he stay? Is there room for Levine, Rubio, and, and uh, Dunn? No. Two of the three, yes. 
But you don't know. I mean, Levine was amazing until he got hurt, but they you could. always wonder coming back. Rubio tore up the last month of the season just randomly. I know you're a fantasy basketball guy, so you saw that. Could their <laughs> roster then be, it would be uh, Chris Dunn for the future, I'm saying. Yeah. Chris Dunn at the one, and then it would be Monk two, Levine, etc. You know, Cat yeah. and... You find the That's a pretty point. good yeah. starting lineup. I mean, I it's a lot of. I think a lot of teams in the league after the draft, and a lot of fan bases throughout the league after the draft, are you know loving their their right. starting four, or starting my, five, or potential yeah. starting four until injuries happen and free agency starts and things like that. My, yeah, my question is if Monk's not there, who becomes a pick? Because Smith doesn't really fit in. It's too many point guards there. Do you take a foreign guy? Frankie N, as I'm calling him, yeah, from I France. Yeah, I don't know very much after He's the, the, one the guy. top five he, he, since he, my focus yeah. has been on three most of the summer. Let's see. I, I, I held off last week in pronouncing this name. I'm going to do it. He's our foreign lottery I'm going to look guy. at it, too. Frank Nik- Nikitina. Nikitina, is that how you say it? Number eight, going to the Knicks. A 6'5 point guard. See, that's another point guard, though. So I don't know that that fits either. <laughs> yeah, well... We'll just call him the French guy. The French French guy named Frank. Well, you wonder, like Isaac, could he go there? I just think Monk makes too much sense at Minnesota. I think that's where they're going to go. And then the Knicks have their choice of, do they really want Markin in that much? Or do they go with the French guy? Or if Dennis Smith's still available. Now, we're, we're going to get to some of the later picks in a second. But I just want to point out, we've been throwing out a lot of different prospects in about seven or eight. But I look at Dallas at nine. If one team goes off the beaten path, this is what's happened in drafts. This happened in the 99 draft when Dirk and Dirk and Paul Pierce went 9-10 respectively and probably were the best picks in the drafts because they fell down. So Dallas at 9 could be a value pick, could, could just stumble into one of these guys randomly by doing nothing. We see it in the NFL all the time. Just sit there, somebody will mess up. Teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> they don't do anything, and it pisses me off, but it works. Yeah. But all right, Tom. Weisenbach, Morning Mitch Effect. It's good discussing draft. I do want to end with some of the later picks. So second round, late first round. Who are some players that have your eye and, and could be good fits on certain teams? I'll tell you mine right off the bat that I'm high on. He's a junior. I know that's like old age, but Justin Jackson. I think yeah. him. I think he's going to be a good player. I think people are a little scared of the age, but I think he can shoot. He can create. And I like him in a, as a mid-first-round pick. Yeah, he's a good one. Uh, the, the North Carolina Justin Jackson, correct? Not the yeah. Maryland oh, yeah. Justin Jackson. Yeah. I'm going to go to Maryland for oh. mine and Mellow Trimble. Okay, not okay. Is right. he? He's out, right? He he's declared for the draft, or is he going back to school? Let's see. Let's see where he's at on here. I don't really see him right now. If he's <laughs> he's going back <laughs> to school, which is well, possible. I don't see him on here, so I think I've he mentioned Frank that. Mason a couple of times. Yeah. He's the senior. Uh, those are the upper, the rare upperclassmen that are possibly there, similar to maybe a Ryan Archidiakono who who could latch onto a maybe undrafted or latch onto a summer league roster and, and play himself into a role. Caleb Swanigan, I'm not yeah. sure what. He's definitely on our big board. Is he on there for for the second round? He is a second round. 32 overall. He's a, he's a guy who just balled in the post last year for, for Purdue. And, yeah, it would be good for Phoenix. What else? How about TJ Leaf? Freshman out of UCLA, 20th. 6'10". But I'll, I'll give you a name that I have that I'm glad you didn't bring up yet. Because we talked, yeah, <laughs> we, talked about the, we talked about the Lakers. And now owning 27 and 28. And the one hole in their lineup is the two spot. 
because Clarkson looks like more of a bench player. And it gives me a nice segue because it's our first senior on the mock draft board. I really like this kid out of Kansas State. Wesley Iwandi. I can't pronounce his name. Iwandi, I'm going to go with. N-D-U-W-U. Yeah, I-W. There is. Yeah. Okay. But 6'7", 195, and a two-way player, defender and shooter. He's developed. He really showed up he's, against Baylor, too, in the two yeah. times. Uh, I think they beat them yeah. at least one time. He's your he's that college guy that makes it the next level and benefits by playing in four years. And I think that'd be good there. And, hey, if the Lakers don't want him at 27 or 28 where he's currently slotted, the San Antonio Spurs are at 29. They, they thrive off building these guys and just make a start. So there it is. I mean, that's a guy that I look at, too. The other guy on that list I thought was interesting was uh, – the kid that played over in, uh, he's international, but he's an American kid that played over in, uh, I think you named him actually. That's some new kid that bought that left. Semi Ojale? No, that's a different that's one. That's the no, SMU that's, kid. No, he's, he's not bad. He lit Temple up the two times we played them. I'll tell you what, he, he was, he's a kid who can shoot the mid range jumper, he can attack the basket, he can defend. He was a very well rounded player for. Uh, the Mustangs this year. I'll find this kid because it's been, yeah, it's Terrence Ferguson. There he is. Terrence Ferguson, who's a late first-round pick. Never heard of him. Well, this is probably why. He's been playing in Australia after he, no, actually, take that back. He was a high school kid that went international. So this is like, hey, he's an American kid foreign that went out to play overseas. So we're not sure. This could be, and, and you don't take these kids that high. But if he's late first round and you see a 6'7", 185-pound, basically college freshman that was a Rivals All-American, you know. Who's already played professional who's basketball. Who's already played pro ball, and that does make a difference. Some of the upperclassmen, or, or maybe not upperclassmen, but guys on good teams in college, Tom, Henry Giles and Duke, um, a couple other players that maybe could make an impact just on the experience and leadership factor. Anybody else late in the draft that you're looking at? Not really. <laughs> I mean, Mason's your guy. I think that's going to be uh, how we judge your analysis here. Well, I, I don't think they ta- the Sixers would take him anymore. I know. I think he's a steady Josh point Hart. guard who could Josh come Hart, off the bench. Josh Hart. Yeah, that's a great. That's another steady point guard. And I've been. I was looking at the college season this year with a keen eye on the point guard position, knowing that that was a a potential lack of depth position for the Sixers. The one I want to end on, the name I want to end on, just because I think it's interesting to see if he can make it in the Hamilton NFL, because Isaiah Hicks, North Carolina, 6'8", 240. He's a beast. <laughs> That's, generous. That's a generous listing. We saw him play in the tournament. If he's 235, as they're listed on, then I'm about 6'5". But... I think that's another one, late, late second round pick. So there's value here, Tom, but I think we're excited for the draft and, and we're excited to see what the future holds for the NBA because don't want the Warriors to just keep going. So Tremble did, did declare you were pulling it up. He worked out with the Wizards. Not on my top 60 From Maryland. <laughs> might not get drafted. He might not get drafted. We'll All see. Right. I'm excited. I'll tell you what, to put a bow on it, I'm very excited to see. The NBA draft, uh, as a Sixers fan, the lottery, the NBA draft, and the summer league have been my most favorite times of year for the last three to five years. I'm excited to finally watch some competitive basketball, yeah. hopefully, with uh, Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Markel Fultz, Dar- uh, <laughs> all of those guys. Nah, <laughs> Jalil yeah, Okafor. Yeah, Okafor. The uh, process. Yeah. Uh, Stauskas, Rayshon Holmes. 
going to be a good solid eight to nine player big, rotation. This is a big year, uh, big summer for Philly drafting winter sports. Got the Flyers number, number two. two. That's pretty one two. That's a pretty good uh, in a two player draft. That's pretty lucky. It's pretty lucky. Well, Tom, this was fun. Best of luck at the draft on Thursday. Getting yourself a squad, somebody that could hopefully take down the Warriors in the era of super teams. But I'm more wondering. <laughs> Who's going to take down the Cavs eventually, or, or when does when does the Eastern Conference begin to open up? Probably right around the time LeBron goes to the Lakers. Which is what the Celtics, <laughs> the Pacers, the Bucks, who we didn't discuss, who have a lot of good talent, and, and the Wizards are all kind all of the trying. mix there. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Tom, this is fun. Appreciate you coming on. Sometime soon we'll be recapping basketball, so thanks again. Awesome. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Tom Weisenbach for breaking down the NBA draft. Make sure you watch it tonight because while there is some assumed picks at the top of the list, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to make trades. Now Porzingis is available. DeAndre Jordan's name getting floated out there. Jeez. And, and all that chaos with Dan Gilbert as an owner of a team. You never know what he's going to do. So make sure you watch that. All right, now it's time to switch it up and talk hockey yes that will not die on this show i know the season's over but the nhl had an award show last night where they gave out the traditional awards and they also did an expansion draft the vegas golden knights the 31st nhl franchise in the league well they picked all their team players from the expansion draft one player was taken off of each nhl franchise joe Crisali comes on the show now a good friend of mine as well as another friend of the program we break down the vegas golden knights team here that interview is now. All right, we're recording this in the wee hours of the morning here on the West Coast. That shows you just how excited I am for the NHL for Gary Bettman's Hockey League. Bringing on to the show to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft and the NHL awards. So, friend of the program, Joe Crisali. Joe, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, no problem. A little early for you. I guess we'll listen to over here. Yeah, you're on the you're on the East Coast, and as a Rangers fan, I know you've been, you know, keeping tabs on this expansion draft. It's it's always interesting when when one of these come up when the Knights could pick one player from every team. There's all these back and side deals. It was hard to uh, keep track of, but uh, Joe, I, I think the draft itself. Was definitely definitely had a Vegas flair. It got kind of ridiculous last night how they revealed the picks in the middle of uh, a giant spectacle award show in the desert. Yeah, it definitely had that Vegas flair when they had the magic tricks and all that sorts of nonsense going on. But um, I guess that's how they're going to bring in the new team and show that they're Vegas, and that's that's how they're going to do things. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> it was pretty uh, pretty interesting to see the picks unfold. Yeah, and I just want to say I hope, I really do hope that uh, they found the other half of, uh, was it Catherine Tappan's uh, top of her dress? And yeah. <laughs> I think they were really looking for it. But uh, <laughs> as far as the picks go. I think that's what I meant by unfold. Unfold. <laughs> yeah. Well, be that as it may, uh, the picks were interesting. You, you never, didn't know what type of uh, direction the team would go. And I think one thing we can agree on, Joe, the Knights don't expect to be winning Stanley Cups anytime soon. So this is going to be a team that's going to be in the draft lottery. But they want to be competitive uh, for the next couple of years. 
they did grind it out with some of these picks, some tough, some uh, gritty guys, 13 defensemen, 14 forwards, and three goalies. There wasn't a lot of star power per se in the draft outside of maybe James Neal and then Marc-Andre Fleury, who we'll get to in a second. But the direction of the team, do you think Vegas did a decent job given the circumstances? Honestly, I think they they came into the draft and they tried to just get people to like them. Instead of going after all of the top-notch players from other teams, they gave them a chance to keep them because they wanted to come into the league and be liked. So I don't know if that was the best way to go about it. Like, there are a couple players out there, for example, like the Ducks had Botnin out there, and they could have taken him, but instead they decided to trade with them so that he could they could keep him. But I guess, like you said, they're just riling up, piling up all these picks over the next couple of years. So I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see how they're going to be. But I really don't think they're going to be that competitive. No, maybe the Avalanche can yeah. give them a run for their money. <laughs> I was going to say they might be able to beat the Avalanche. That's about it. Um, but I, I think part of that is, and I do have a lot to say about that, I think there's a lot of fool's gold on these unprotected lists. Number one being any free agents on the list. You know, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe uh, from the Sharks, TJ Oshie, Kevin Shattenkirk, just some examples. You know, those guys aren't signed yeah. to contracts. So if the Knights were to draft them, it would have been ridiculously foolish because they would have just had you know the first chance to sign them. A lot of those guys probably would never have signed in Vegas, so they'd be wasting a pick. So I think, the, and Mike Fisher comes to mind too. I think he might have just retired if uh, he got drafted uh, by the Knights. But I think too, you know, the other part of it, Joe, is that all these back deals that we don't know about. Teams can only protect eight guys. So you, you know, you bring up Vatn, and I think he's you know a great player. I'm not so convinced that part of the deal under the table was or wasn't the fact that they were probably going to pr- protect him. You know, they probably had a trade in place, and part of the deal that did go down with the Ducks was probably to protect him, you know, the ninth guy on their list. Uh, I think part of that, too, is is also, Joe, the Knights just don't want to, you know, be stuck in the middle for the next 10 years. I think they're going to have a team that's not too competitive, try to go the Edmonton route, win a couple lotteries, and see what happens with some young talent. But, you know, there, there wasn't as many great players available to them as I think a lot of people believe there would be. Yeah, I don't think the Edmonton route blowing a bunch of first-round picks until you get <laughs> handed the Hart Trophy winner, Conor McDavid, is the way to go. But, um, yeah, like you said, they, uh, they're they going to try to be competitive. They're probably not going to be ultra-competitive for the first couple of years that they're in, but you can't really expect that with any expansion team. Like when the NFL brought in the Houston Texans, they were trash for a little while, so... Yeah, no, I I agree with that, and I think part of it is uh, the, the big action were the trades. I think you get you know a guy like Riley Smith who might be the second best, third best player already on this team. You know he's brought in via trade, and he also highlights another area, Joe. That's terrible contracts were taken on. The Knights were able to get some draft picks because of taking on basically trash contracts. Grabowski from the Islanders got the Knights a first round pick. Columbus gave them a second round pick. I think, and, and this is an interesting uh, opening for the Golden Knights for the rest of the league. They have to hit that salary cap floor. They're starting from scratch, so teams were willing to part with draft picks in salary dumps. I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, and all the draft picks, you got to think, like, if they hit, like they they got, like, what, 10 draft picks last night? Extra on top of what they already have? If they hit on half those, they're going to be doing just fine. 
I mean, it's going to take the, yeah, it's uh, going to take some time, but yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. The new the new team coming in, all the other teams, you know, were had a deep breath. They were like, "Oh, thank God, someone can take on this garbage contract that we gave Mikhail Grabowski. <laughs> we can take on this garbage contract that we gave." Yeah, player, but. David Clarkson, another one. I mean, that was just yeah. a disaster as well. So we'll see. Um, I thought it was an interesting spectacle. They did the reveal nine nine and uh, a couple other teams, you know, in order from worst to first or worst to the team that always chokes in the playoffs. But be that you know the way it went down. Let's just look at some of these uh, these players, Joe. Um, some of the players we talked about him at the top, but James Neal. You know, he goes from. From Pittsburgh to Nashville, there was a stop in Dallas in there, but now he's on Vegas, and now he's, you know, he, he had that quote where he said it's good to be on a team that he's appreciated, and now he's on the Vegas Golden Knights. So funny how the league works, but he's probably their best player, hands down. Yeah, I'd say I definitely have to agree with that. Was it nine straight seasons for him, 20-plus goals? Um, they also got a steal, too, with Marchessault from mm-hmm. Florida. The guy had 30 goals last year, and they parted with him. No, no problem for some reason. Like we were talking about before the show, they uh, they took a lot of took a lot of B man. They took a lot of like old grinders. They definitely want to be a force. Um, and then taking Andre Fleury, I guess that was their their name, their big big name that everybody knows. But I, I got you got to think he's not going to be the same goalie that the Penguins are used to seeing from a couple of years ago. But um, yeah. I, I looking at their roster, it's kind of hard to just see like top goal scorers it's hard to see them being super competitive i mean like they took oscar Lindbergh from the rangers which i'm i'm not upset i i'm glad they didn't take boss because i don't even know how the rangers didn't protect boss because he's one of their better younger players i think he was on their second line last year um but Lindbergh could bring you know he he's a he's a good goal scorer but uh yeah, I don't think Fleury's going to get you know three, four goals a game like he did in Pittsburgh. I don't think the goal support's going to quite be there. Yeah, he's probably going to be around the Mike Smith Arizona Coyote range. Well, and he's Pickard's no yeah, Pickard's a, a decent backup. Um, but I think you know Neil being there is really the only top line talent they have. I think. Vegas might have gone the approach of there's a lot of young guys that may or may not be able to blossom. Maybe they're trying to strike gold there, but just kind of going in alphabetical order, starting with the forwards. You know, it's funny. Cody Eakins, another guy that's a grinder. I like Eric Howa as a role player on a good team. Uh, I think he can play pretty well. And you know, William Carlson, the Blue Jackets pick, is another guy that you know maybe maybe Joe was buried amongst a lot of Columbus depth. You know, they had four solid lines, and he wasn't getting his time to shine. You know, maybe that's it for him. This is it for him. And, you know, Oscar Lindbergh, I know you were kind of stressing out as a, as a Rangers fan about who they would lose, but, you know, it's not the worst. Fast would have been would have been bad. Lindbergh has some potential, but, you know, all things considered, I think this was, was okay for your boys. And uh, another forward I just want to mention that's been on the move a lot the last couple of years is uh, David Perron, who... The Blues lose, yeah. uh, leaves the Blues for the second time. He has some talent. I just wonder on this team if they can surround him with the right pieces because he's never shown in his career that he can carry a forward line. Yeah, you know this Vegas Gold Knights team has a lot of ex-Penguins on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they just keep winning Stanley Cups, but their their cast-offs are, are going to Vegas. So maybe that's a good thing. Uh, still chat with Joe Crisali, Money Mitch Effect, the NHL expansion draft last night. 
you know, the Vegas Golden Knights defensive core, they took 13. So they're trying to to really, uh, you know, shore up the blue line, I guess, first. There wasn't a lot of options to pick from. But Emelin had a peak in this league. We're not sure how much is left. Braden McNabb from the Kings, another solid option. Mark Mathot from the Senators. But a guy that I really like that, that might have potential, Tampa Bay D-man Jason Garrison, or former D-man, I should say, for Tampa Bay. You know, he had, I think, 20 goals a few years ago. So I'm not, I think this might have been the, the sneaky underrated pick for the Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I like the Garrison pick. A lot of people were saying that this, what he has, he has a bad contract or something like that, and the Lightning wanted them to take him. But he's a good player. I remember a couple of years ago playing in the NHL. NHL <laughs> 16, I think yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. He's dominant. Five shots from, from the point. He's good to go. Yeah, no, he's you know he's one of those guys, and this is the thing we keep bringing up. This is the one time, the one team that could take on bad contracts because they have no money <laughs> to their to their salary before it starts starting from scratch. Uh, Clayton Stoner, who who really came along for the Ducks, he was made available uh, because of the numbers game. Nate Schmidt was the Capitals pick, a smart one there, and uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk from Chicago. A lot of controversy there. I think Chicago had some back deals with Vegas because of the, the Marion Hosa thing, which we'll get to uh, after we recap this. But, you know, Kruger, I think, was protected up front. That was the rumored pick. Van Riemsdyk has some potential. I think he could do well in the Golden Knights, too. I think defensively, Joe, this team will be solid. They're not going to be great in any area of the ice, but if you had to pick one that they'd be the best at, I think I'd go defense. Oh, yeah, when you take, what, would you say 13 <laughs> you would hope, you would hope that you're... Three, four lines of two D-men would turn out. Yeah, and uh, the Kings side, too, I, you know, I agree with that, but I think there's a lot of teams that left, and this is kind of how we can recap this, Joe, there's a lot of teams that ended the uh, expansion draft feeling just okay. Like, they didn't lose their best player, but they were kind of hoping, and I bring up the LA Kings as an example, that they would lose somebody with a worse contract. You know, they lose Braden McNabb, who's not a terrible loss. They could have lost Trevor Lewis, but... Dustin Brown, Gabrick, yeah, like they just were pay, begging that teams would take these, these, the Knights would take these bad contracts, and they proved that they'd only do it if you were willing to trade with them, which is pretty smart to start their franchise. Yeah, and if you're the Kings, that's sparking that rivalry right up. Oh now yeah, Oh yeah, T-Mobile Arena is going to be popping when the Kings and the uh, the Golden Knights take battle for the first time, but. But the Knights have a decent draft. They have a roster. We'll see what happens in the actual NHL draft coming up. Uh, before I let you go, Joker Sally, Money Mitch Effect, I want to recap a little bit of the NHL award show from last night. Pretty big night for Connor McDavid, wouldn't you say? Not only winning the MVP, not only getting voted as the best player in the league by the players, the Ted Lindsay Award, but he's on the cover of the EA Sports 2018 NHL video game. So I don't think he could get much That's better than McDavid. The part. <laughs> you think so? That's probably the biggest win. Taking the cover. <laughs> no. He's a teenager. Uh, and he's, out, yeah. Yeah. Beating out Crosby for the heart. Is, uh, is that a passing of the torch? No. <laughs> because they won the cup <laughs> last year. I will say, I was the only thing that surprised me last night, because he had better numbers than Crosby. And, and we've seen that the MVP, the heart trophy, is usually numbers-based. And the best players don't always win the award. It's just who had the best season. But the Ted Lindsay Award, the players voting for McDavid, that kind of shocked me. There, there might have been, Joe, a hidden jealousy in there. <laughs> just a spite vote. Yeah, it could have been. But they they knew he was the best player out there. So they, I mean, I would say they voted for him. I think the only way the maybe, torch maybe can... Maybe the players, 
Yeah. Maybe the players are as sick of Crosby as we are. Oh, I know, but like, I don't think the torch can be passed until Crosby stops winning cups. <laughs> can we go yeah, there? Well, but he's 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 got a better team around him than McDavid. Yeah. So that might be for a little while. I thought the rest of the awards were pretty. You know, pretty straightforward. Burns winning the Norris was to be expected. Um, Tortorella, Coach of the Year. We were laughing at uh, Torelli being uh, nominated for GM of the Year because he just got Connor McDavid. He's GM of the Year now yeah. and finalist. But GM of the Year, <laughs> great pick. <laughs> great, great job. But thought, no, <laughs> I think that one out. <laughs> yeah, but I thought Burns was a good choice, and I thought Austin Matthews was obviously the right choice, beating out. Line A, my boy Zach Rolensky, whose face looks like it's finally starting to heal. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I and. Mean, yeah. Line didn't look too happy that he didn't win. He was pretty, <laughs> was pretty fish sitting there. Yeah. I, you know, those, I like to see some competitiveness. And Line is going to score a lot of goals in this league, as is Matthews. But um, there was uh, some interesting choices. But Brovsky, you know, it was a big night for the Blue Jackets. Another win for them, him winning the Vesna. I thought that was pretty fair. Yeah, he definitely was the best goalie in that crop. Holpe started to fall off towards the end of the season. Bob was pretty uh, pretty solid throughout. And you could tell it was a uh, NHL regular season award with Burns winning the Norris Trophy, which I thought was the right call because you know that if it wasn't, Eric Carlson would have won. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So Here's a stat I was going to give you this, by the way. Um, the playoff minutes going into the Stanley Cup final I know it was weighted after that but going into the final Carlson had played 89 more minutes than the next closest player in the entire playoffs with a, with a, a broken ankle too, something like that right <laughs> yeah yeah he did wow but what are, what were some final takeaways Joe from the awards for you you know seeing those guys win having to see Crosby get honored with his penguins and uh whatever Miss Sophia Figueroa's husband who's also a Pittsburgh guy that whatever his name is, <laughs> Joe, whatever, the Magic Mike dude hosting the award and talking about how good the Penguins are. I'm sure you love that. Oh, I, I turned that part off. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as the Penguins came on and as soon as I saw Pierre Maguire, I, stopped. I, I turned it on and off. <laughs> Pierre Maguire. It's like we can't get rid of that guy. I don't get it. Like the, the season's over. Go away. I was on NHL Network. Why are you there? Go, <laughs> go sit in your box. On the ice with no game, please. But you thought it was a good, a uh, good award show. Uh, you know, good choices, yeah. good atmosphere. It was. Uh, I, I thought it was really well done. I mean, there was a lot of cheesiness going on, but that happens with those, those kind of award shows. But the highlight, obviously, is Crosby losing the heart. <laughs> so that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that was good. I, I think next year, if I had to guess who the finalists are going to be, it, it's probably going to be Matthews getting the bump up. Matthews, McDavid, Crosby, Hart Trophy next year? It's possible, as long as one of them doesn't get hurt. Yeah, you never know. But but McDavid, you know, arriving on the award scene, we'll see him a lot in the years to come. Um, do, you, uh, you, do you think Matthews... Is on the same level, or will be on the same level as McDavid in that first overall pick? Because a lot of people said that his talent level wasn't exactly there, but he looks pretty good. <laughs> it's hard to say anyone's on McDavid's talent level, but he scored 40 goals last year. You know, he's tied for second in the league. Um, but you know, in who he was tied with was our guy that we always say is the most underrated, Kucherov in Tampa Bay. Uh, so yeah. 
I think he's got a chance, and I, and I think the future looks bright. You know, I, I think there's all these young guys coming at the throne. Crosby's still there, but the pressure's on. You know, Vetchkin's just not going to get there, it looks like. So we'll see. But I'm excited for the first uh, scandal, the, for the first player to miss curfew in Vegas on that road trip when they play the Knights. That'll oh, be man. fun. <laughs> <laughs> It'll definitely be the first game of the season when the Coyotes are there. They got a lot of young kids on that team. I want to know which. We're going to see Mac Domi does not report to opening night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not there. We can't find him or his dad. Uh, where does James Neal stay? What hotel penthouse does he run out for the 2017-18 season? Is it the Luxor or does oh, he go man. nicer at like uh, the Win or something? I don't know, Matt. Bellagio? <laughs> you sound like a Bellagio kind of guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the contract's pretty good. You know, he might be at Mandalay Bay, just you know. Maybe he's uh, <laughs> maybe he's at New York, New York, just you know, hanging out there. Well, all right, this was fun, Joker Sally. Thanks for joining joining me on the show. We'll let you get back to you know family time on the East Coast. And I'm sad because this officially ends the NHL season. Nothing left to talk about this year. Couple months, we'll be back. Couple months, we'll see. I don't know. You think you think your Rangers will make a run this year? Give Hank his first cup. I would love to see it. It's just. Uh... I don't know. After seeing Torch win that trophy last night, it just upset me even more. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's that's. I think that was you're the quintessential Rangers fan. You're, when I asked you that question, you're optimistic for like half of a second, and then immediately pessimistic. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, it's what it's like. They get to the playoffs pretty much every year. They're pretty much in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then they just oh, the Rangers. They're gonna win. They're gonna win. They're gonna win. And then they just find a way to not win. So. It's going to be pretty emotional for you next year All when, you can do is hope. when Lundqvist becomes the winningest goalie to never win a cup because he's like, what, one win away, two wins away, playoff wins? So. I think, yeah, I think he's one or two. So we'll see. But all right, Joe Crisali, thanks for joining the show. Have fun, and we will be chatting in the future. Yeah, man. See you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show of the Money Mish Effect. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Tom Weisenbach and Joe Crisali for appearing on this week's edition. A reminder that all episodes of the Money Mish Effect can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. This is episode 90. Happy to keep talking sports, keep bringing you content. The grind will not slow down in the summer. We're going to continue to bring some good episodes and some interesting guests on the way. Definitely don't miss that. It's always good talking about the NHL. The Vegas Golden Knights are a team. We're going to have to get used to it. And we might have to make the sad trip to Vegas. Uh, a little sarcasm there, but I think I might have to make it to Vegas for a game. Make sure you watch the NBA draft tonight. The unexpected can't happen. And enjoy baseball season. Enjoy Bellinger. Enjoy Judge. Enjoy everybody. I mean, Trout comes back. Blackman, Colorado. And, of course, my boy Frankie Lindor in Cleveland. It's a good time to be a baseball fan. So, Make sure you enjoy that sport as well. I am Mitch Michaels as well as the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, thank you. And we'll keep talking sports soon.